Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, back to the show. So today, we're going to be chatting and exploring anxiety in disruptive, uncertain times, which seems highly appropriate type of discussion considering everything that the world is going through right now. My guest today is Dr. Stephanie Newman. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I think we need to be having more. I think people need, I think this discussion needs to happen. I think a lot of people are struggling right now. Never mind with like data, you know, day-to-day things. Now we have like big things that people are struggling with. And, and I, you know, I think it's just a really hard time. So I definitely w- am really looking forward to like jumping in and like discussing, you know, why it's happening. Why are people feeling the way they are? And like, obviously what they can do about it. But before we like jump deeply into the conversation, let's just build the context of this conversation. Maybe you can introduce yourself, tell us about you, tell us your background, tell us your training so that like people know what context we're coming from. Absolutely. I could just imagine your listeners saying who and why do I care what she has to say? So of course, um, Stephanie Newman is my name. I'm a clinical psychologist in the New York area, New York City and Westchester. I've been practicing for over two decades. I work with a lot of adults and I work with parents a lot on parenting issues. I work uh, pre-pandemic, I I certainly work with people on their anxiety about relationships and financial difficulties and health difficulties and workplace concerns. Now I, I have a lot of people that come in and they want to talk about coronavirus, the pandemic, health issues, um, the world, and uh, isolation. Um, So that's what I do in my clinical practice. I'm also an author. I just published a book which might be of interest to you specifically. It's called Barbarians at the PTA, and um, it's a fun look at parents and kids and cliques and uh, teens and screens and social media misuse, uh, all pretty important issues right now as school has moved online, everything has moved online, uh, teens and screens everywhere or preteens, you know, uh, and um, how parents act, cyberbullying sometimes uh, by kids, by adults. So again, it's called Barbarians at the PTA. And um, I give a lot of talks also about anxiety right now, given what we're going through. So in case people were wondering, that's, that's who you're talking to today. Awesome. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. And we'll, we'll loop back to your book there, um, you know, at the end and kind of see if we can tease out a couple of like things um, about the book, but um, let's, let's, let's dive into anxiety uh, because I think, you know, you're, you're saying like, Oh, you know, pre pandemic, I'm talking about finances and relationships and all of those things. And I think all of those things have literally been amplified like 50 fold, like 
we're talking like car coming at you from like literally nowhere. And we have like multiple levels of disruption happening financially, work, family, security, health. And I would even argue existential. Oh, like it's an existential. I'm with you. (laughs) Um, But let's, let's, let's talk about anxiety and what is anxiety are there different types of anxiety? Let's let's start our conversation there. Absolutely. Um, when you mentioned s- since the pandemic, our everything changed in a moment. Nothing was the same. You go to a restaurant now, you don't even get a menu. If you eat outside, I mean, many, many people can't go to a restaurant if they can and they're eating outside. They they off you use your phone to look at this. I don't even know what it is. You, where you click on this image to see the the food they're offering there's just everything is different it's it has upended our lives it has affected every aspect of our lives well major change like that um un, that that's unexpected and so dramatic causes anxiety when you can't predict things it causes anxiety when you uh can't control things when you're when you're when, you know people feel unsettled you're asking what is anxiety there's different types um a long time ago in the in the days when in my field you had the white bearded um, psychoanalysts and the patients on the couches you know they would have said Sigmund Freud anxiety is a signal that some danger is coming um, and then there's physiological uh, and emotional components to it um, and there's different diagnoses of anxiety and what symptoms and things you might see or what you might experience as a person going through anxiety would depend on um, the, the different uh, presentation that you might be experiencing. So I'm happy to talk about a few different things. There's social anxiety, which is a, a, a fear that you might be humiliated or embarrassed in a social situation. And one of the hallmarks of that is from the moment you first spoke, you could have been in kindergarten and asked to just say like, I'm in America. So who discovered America? You know, and you and everybody would just say, oh, Christopher Columbus is one of the answers that people typically give. And that five year old uh, spoke, but was will remember for the rest of his or her or their life, that feeling of uh, what if everyone laughs at me? What if I'm humiliated? So often people with social anxiety have a moment like that. Um, They can pinpoint it. Um, panic disorder, another kind of anxiety that would be characterized by a sudden intense surge of fear or terror that reaches a crescendo very rapidly. And it is accompanied by, you don't, if you have a panic attack, you know, it isn't, did I, was that, you know, it's that intense and it's very unpleasant for people. Um, and so that sort of sudden intense uh, surge of anxiety is a sine qua non of the panic attack, and it would be accompanied by numbness and tingling, shortness of breath, palpitations, sweating. People often are very afraid that they're going to die because they don't know what's wrong with them. They feel like, you know, what what's happening to me or that they'll lose control of a body function. Um, and it's also a very um, hard uh, thing to have because people fear another attack. So if you get a certain number of attacks and fear them in a certain amount of time, a, a person will tell you, a mental health person, professional will tell you that will uh, that that gives you a diagnosis of panic disorder. There's also just a generalized, persistent 
overarching sense that everything is wrong, which, okay, it's the pandemic. I have that. Who doesn't have that? You know, but you worry about a lot of aspects of life. You worry about work. You worry about health. You worry about family. You worry just everything. That was, that's a, called a generalized anxiety disorder. And again, uh, people might say they have that now. Who isn't anxious? Um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But um, there's adjustments, you know, uh, to, to things where you're, uh, you know, uh, like, a, let's say a divorce or a, a family member's death or something. And that for some period of months, you're, you've had a, a circumstance of something and you feel you have an anxious mood about it and other things come with that. So there's, you know, many, as I started to say, many different types of anxiety that people can suffer from and how you treat them might differ. You could have phobias. You could be scared of elevators or flying or bugs. You know, not a, I don't mean um, the kind of bug like the CIA is bugging. I mean, a, a, you know, an insect or something um, or maybe the CIA too. But so there's those are some of the different types of anxiety. Yeah, I, I have a kind of a follow up question about the general anxiety piece, because you're right, like most of us are feeling quite anxious, right? Um, you know, it's very uncertain what's coming next. Like, how long is it going to go on for? You know, what, you know, what, there's just a lot of questions that people have, Um so it's easy to run with scenarios in your mind and, you know, get, get stressed. And so, you know, I, I wonder, you know, what makes it more of like a clinical problem to be treated versus like, I'm having anxiety right now because it's situational. We're in this pandemic, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like, I guess maybe one of the concerns might be like, you know, people kind of are worried, can also worry about like, am I going crazy? Like, am I going to need medication? Is there like something wrong with me that I'm feeling this way? You know, when is it like, it's totally normal and acceptable right in this kind of context that you're feeling this way. And when is it becoming like, wow, okay, this kind of needs to be looked at and treated. Sure. I'm glad you asked that because there was one kind of anxiety I didn't specifically mention, which, which you're kind of getting into, which is obsessions and compulsions, where you think the same thought, you ruminate over and over and over again, and you can't distract yourself, or you have to do a behavior, um, a compulsion, a ritual over and over and over again, um, or you can have an intrusive image. Those people that have that are very, very uncomfortable. They, they know that they're thought shouldn't be there. They, it bothers them. They want to not be thinking, you know, let someone who, who suffers from OCD could be, um, they have to check the, the, the locks 15 times every day before they can leave the house. And, and they worry that maybe they didn't lock the door and they'll be broken into and they go back and they check and they recheck. It's very uncomfortable for people, um, or an intrusive image of, um, Sometimes people see an image of, you know, somebody or afraid when they're driving that they'll hit somebody. It's very debilitating. People really suffer. And what happens is they see over and over again uh, a body falling into the road and bleeding, even though they didn't hit someone. But they but this makes them let's be very incapacitating. Um, so there's there are certain types of anxiety where you know you you know you have it and it, it doesn't feel like it's part of you like I've just described with obsessions compulsions the rituals that you perform over and over again because um, you cannot relieve yourself of the anxiety unless you're doing the rituals hand washing or other things 
Um, and like I said, with panic, you know that that is such an intense surge of fear or terror that that's not, for, you know, that isn't what you might have experienced in your baseline. Um, yeah. Versus you and I talking and I say to you, um, you know, I don't know. I heard, this isn't true, so don't panic, Ontario, you know, but like, oh, I heard a really bad tornado is coming your way. You might go, oh, that's terrible. I didn't put in the lawn furniture and I didn't close my window and my car window's open. But that isn't the same kind of anxiety that we're, we're talking about where it's so uncomfortable, so. Yeah. I mean, it's uncomfortable in the sense of like, oh, you know, I need to, I didn't do this. And like, what if something happens? Like it's still, you know, it's still uncomfortable. Um, but you can, I assume you can relatively return to baseline and like, uh, you know, kind of understand like, okay, I'm feeling panicked. Like, there's really not much I can do about the like lawn stuff. And, and you can kind of like sort of settle the physiology down. Yeah. And you're saying, you know, in these other cases, the physiology, like, it's, it's overwhelming. It doesn't just return to baseline really, really quickly. And, you know, you're kind of, you can be really stuck in this, in, in this loop, because I would argue that a lot of us with COVID-19 right now um, are having, you know, probably reoccurring senses of like, or surges of like worry and anxiety, you know, I don't think there's enough therapists for all of us, you know, and it is uncomfortable because I, I, you know, I'm going to say like, I would rather not be stressing, you know, whether or not my clinic's going to get shut down or I'd rather not be stressing about, you know, am I going to catch COVID, you know, teaching, you know, treating yeah. a patient. Right. Definitely. Um, so where, you know, so then it's like, well, where does the line go? Because right now I kind of feel like I have a little bit of that low grade anxiety kind of on a day-to-day -day basis, but I can return back to baseline. Like I can obviously- well, Anxiety is adaptive. It's preparing you. If you weren't wearing a mask in a dangerous situation, or if you weren't getting fresh air, or if you weren't taking precautions, you would be in more danger, let's say. So yeah. you, you know, it's good. It's adaptive. But, and you could probably distract yourself. If you wake up in the middle of the night, which many of people are doing now, and you just feel nervous and you anxious, unsettled, and you don't know what it's about, you can certainly quell the thoughts. You could try to manage them. You could breathe. You could do a lot of the things that I'm sure many of your other experts have guided imagery, yoga, Breathing, exercise, yep. When you're when you're having an you know an OCD where you think if you drive you're going to run over and kill someone and you see an intrusive image for more than two hours a day of a dead body, you, you can't go under a tree and, and do a yoga pose and feel better. Um, and I am not minimizing any of the other types of anxiety. It is not pleasant to wake up at two in the morning and wonder why am I up? My heart's pounding. What am I? Um, but being able to distract yourself or being able to get some control over it or having a, a, a few tools, you know, in the arsenal or even sometimes people just talk to someone and they feel, I'm sorry, a friend or somebody and they feel a little bit better. There's also somatic types of anxiety, somatoform disorder where you think you have something, you think you have like have a medical problem and you can go from doctor to doctor and never be reassured. But if you can be reassured or distract yourself, that's more of the things that are controlled, controllable. Mm -hmm. I think the more distressing forms that we're talking about where you can't control them. You could have years, you could talk, do talk therapy for a very long time and get a handle on some types of anxiety, but you may wish to address them, um, you know, on the 
biochemical level um, with medications along the way, just so you don't have to white knuckle it for the five years till you figure out what what is bothering you or how to fix it. Yeah. So, you know, the way I kind of think about it for, you know, for myself is being able to like recognize like, hey, I'm feeling a little worried or I'm feeling a little bit stressed right now. Um, you know, it's probably really important for me to start implementing some practices to like manage the phys, you know, because you're right. I, I have certainly woken up at two or three o'clock in the morning with this overall sense of like dread. And then I, you know, I kind of come to, I look around, I'm like, okay, Madeline, like you're in your bed. There's nothing happening around you right now, you know? And then I kind of will sometimes be like, you know, where are you right now? Is there anything bad happening? Like, did you just have a bad dream? Are you a little bit stressed out at work? You know, maybe you need to, you know, implement some meditation practices for the next little bit to like help balance, you know, those stressors that can like surge in those moments. So I kind of like look at it, identify the aware, become aware that this is sort of happening and then sort of start implementing coping strategies to like minimize the impacts because I certainly know that like too much of that physiological response, you know, I don't want my body getting, I don't want my body getting trapped in that neurophysiological loop um, because then it might become something bigger. You're absolutely right. I, I, I think you sound like you're very on top of and very aware of the ways your mind works and some strategies to implement along the way to try to help combat it. Well, I certainly do a lot of reading about it. I can't say that I'm like perfect at it. Still sometimes waking up at, you know, two at two at night, but, uh, but it's certainly, you know, um, over the amount of research I do for obviously my clinical practice, you know, uh, to be aware, right. And just for life in general, cause life is hard, right. Life is hard sometimes and you need coping strategies. And so I'm very interested in like neurobiology, neurophysiology. So if it sounds like I kind of know what I'm talking about, it's only because I like read a lot, but like, I don't. I do. But I, and I was, re I was today just writing something and I had to research some, some of the phenomena of the pandemic. There's people experiencing pandemic burnout. There's people experiencing coronavirus uh, burnout or anxiety or um, workplace, you know, pandemic things. And um, it, we're lucky because we can sit and zoom and we can read about this and we can go online. I was a hundred years ago when there was a Spanish flu epidemic or other times people would just wake up in the middle of the night and be terrified and they didn't know what was happening to them. They thought they were losing it or yeah. there were no medications either. There were no therapies. There were no, you couldn't get an app and meditate. No one knew what meditating was. Maybe, maybe in, in some parts of Southeast Asia or India, people were, you know, were doing yoga and meditating. They maybe, I don't want to say that, that I don't know, but certainly it wasn't widespread. It was, we have access to everything like you were just saying. Yeah. So the, the one one silver lining in this very difficult time is you can do a lot of things to help yourself from home. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. Um, so you mentioned certainly like, um, you know, the different sort of signs and, and symptoms as you were kind of describing the different types of um, anxiety. I want to just um, maybe talk about like, 
are, you know, generalized anxiety, um, you know, like some general symptom, like signs and symptoms that like might be indicating you're experiencing a little anxiety because there might be people experiencing things, but are, may not be aware that well, it's like anxiety. So, you know, what, sure. what comes with general anxiety? When you say that you woke up out of the blue one night um, and you just felt a sense of doom, um, if you start to feel a sense of doom and dread and worry and persistent worry about several li of life's um, uh, circumstances in your particular your particular life and um, day existence, which again it's a pandemic, who isn't feeling this? But you could earn a diagnosis of that. It's, a, it's these labels can, in a way, also be common and, and, and in a way almost meaningless. So, so what? Okay, you have generalized anxiety. It isn't, it isn't, that's not a death knell. That's not so bad. Everyone has general anxiety, particularly right now, generalized anxiety. You're worried about work. You're worried about, will your kid go to school and catch COVID and bring it home? Will the schools close and you have no childcare? Will your, whatever your job is, go downhill and then you have, your financial picture goes downhill. <laughs> will you get sick? Will your family members get sick? It, it's just on and on and on. And again, when you have that kind of worry, uh, that's a that's generalized anxiety. You could feel jittery. There are you know there aren't a lot of criteria to meet for this, and we all can say we meet them in a pandemic. It's really is the is the fear persistent? Is it happening all the time? Is it bothering you? And are you sitting around feeling jittery? Um, that would be a more extreme case, but. Day to day, I would say that anybody you stopped on the street and asked could tell you there's several life's circumstances that are concerning to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, how do you know, how do you know if you're having a heart, a heart attack? <laughs> I'm, I'm mixing the, I'm mixing the two, but this is just it. How do you know you're having a panic attack? and not a heart attack. Like, are there distinguishing factors between those two? Because I think, um, or I have read and or heard, you know, people, you know, going to the ER thinking they're having a heart attack uh, because I've had clients say, I went to the ER, I thought I was having a heart attack, but they said I was having anxiety. Um, you know, what do, are, uh, like, do they look exactly the same? Well, I, I'm a clinical psychologist, so I am doctor, you know, but I'm, it's a doctorate in psychology and I am not a medical doctor and I wouldn't want to dispense medical advice. It's not mm. ethical or in my wheelhouse. I, I know that sometimes men and women can present with different um, types of things. And if you're not feeling well, you know, for just a, lo a whole day, pain in, in the upper portion of your body or you know, nausea or um, you can't lift your arm, you know, and you're really worried, there are physical things that you, you should get checked out. In terms of a hammering heart, um, you should go to a doctor to see the differential between um, something like anxiety or um, something with your heart, because you can get palpitations with anxiety, and people do. It's very common, and you'd have to get an EKG. So I, I don't, I don't really want to uh, make yeah. a differential. I don't. I, I, that's not what I'm trained for. Fair, fair, fair enough. Um, is there? What okay, what what is it about uncertainty and disruption 
that makes people so anxious? Everything. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, we were saying before, you know, you had your day, whatever it was, March 10th, where you went and you got coffee, if that's what you do, and you went to your office and talked to people. And then a few hours later, nothing was the same as it ever had been before. You had no control over anything. You have no idea when it will end or go back to normal or if it ever will. We were told, oh, go shelter in place for two weeks. So people were sort of like, oh, I'll see you in two weeks. It's been nine months. You know, mm -hmm. that type of thing, that uncertainty, that lack of predictability, the lack of control, you, may, you can control small things in your daily environment. And I tell patients they can make little choices that help them throughout the day. But can I control a pandemic? Can I control the US elections? Can I control global warming? I know you thought I could, but of course I can't. And neither can anybody listening to this. And these are big things. So um, when you have that, you can feel pretty terrible. And when you've been going on like high alert for months and months and months, that is why we're all so exhausted and burnt out. Because usually, like you prepare, fight or flight, a bear is coming. Okay, I'm going to run really fast and my heart will pump and I'll get blood flow and my eyes, my pupils will get big because I'm really prepared. But then a minute later, the bear left and it goes back to normal. But we've had nine months of that high alert. People yeah. are just exhausted. You need the release. You need to be able to go back to a less heightened state. And that's a, a, a big complaint I hear. And people are exhausted all the time. I just wrote about this. It's, you know, I, I, it's going to be probably um, published soon. You know, why are we all so tired? We, we are all so tired. It's so interesting that you say that because I was literally just thinking to myself, like, gosh, I'm really tired. And then I'm like, you know, and then I'm justifying, well, you know, it's starting to get dark out early. I'm working more hours than I normally do, which would make sense that I might be tired. But like, I am more tired than just tired. Are you tired? I am tired all the time. So if you, if you, it's, it's, it's not, you're not alone if you're tired all the time. People are walking around exhausted from this. And it's because we can't close the loop. Yeah. Right. Right. Like you said, right. Away. You don't recover. You don't slow down. You don't, you're, you know, your alerts don't go into a less heightened state. Okay. So we're all, we're all sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about solutions. Cause I think, you know, I think people need, people need some, like, they, you know, I think people are just like, what, you know, I, some people know what they should, you know, should be doing and what works for them. But a lot of people, you know, may not have like, a, you know, well, I don't think anybody's experienced this. Um, but there are people who may have good coping strategies because they've had previous stressors in their life and they sort of know how to cope and deal with these things. Like, what can people do? What can we do? How do we close, how do we even temporarily close these loops? Well, I would say you could do a few different things. The first is to admit that you cannot control as I was joking and I wasn't joking. You can't control individually that there's a pandemic, that there's um, 
you know, if you've, you know, have financial difficulties or lost health insurance or something or a job loss, you can't control those things. Um, and you will feel anxious they, you have a lot, there's a lot of losses and grief right now. People have lost family members. People have really suffered. This has been like nothing I've ever seen in my lifetime. I've been through 9-11 in New York, you know, where it really hit us, where we were walking around with, uh, you know, smoke. I had patients come in on 9-11 covered in soot and they, and they were, I, I, you know, this is like nothing I've ever seen. Um, and um, you cannot control the big things. You can try to do some things to assert a modicum of control or assume a modicum of control over your immediate environment. You can keep yourself safe. Um, I, I'm not making this a controversial thing. I, I believe in science, so when I'm told you know, to wear a mask or something like that, I believe in that. And, um, people who do things like wear masks, you know, wash their hands to re reduce the spread of illness or things like that. Um, those are ways that you could, you know, control you a little bit whether or not you contract the disease. Social distancing, listening to um, guidelines like that. Um, I say you can make small choices each day. Um, I'll give an example. I think it was two days ago. This exhaustion, we were joking about at four o'clock in the afternoon. I felt like I was just hit by a truck. Nothing had happened to me. And I want what I really wanted to do was just like lay down and go to sleep. And but but if I, I had other responsibilities. So I forced myself to do some sort of 20-minute exercise. I don't even know what it was. And I felt so much better. And then I, that was a small choice. The other choice I could have made was I could have taken a nap or I could have done nothing and just sat around being tired. I could have gulped caffeine. I just made the choice to exercise, which that time was a good choice for me. So I was also going to say that people have the ability to make the little choices throughout the day that add up to having control. When you get woken up in the middle of the night by your own anxiety, again, could, can you control that? No, but what can you do? You can get to know your own mind and find ways to stop, you know, the anxiety in its tracks. There are many mindfulness apps, meditation apps that are available. They're free. Um, so people do have it at their fingertips as long as they have access to Wi-Fi, um, yeah. which hopefully people do because it's become so necessary. Um, so there are things to do and you also can get to know your particular triggers if you're triggered by um, some people have seasonal sort of depression the, the sun goes down sooner it's cold they there's no uh, you know they have less vitamin D less less serotonin level the serotonin levels in the brain go down this time of year um, for some people if you know that this is a time of year that's hard for you you could get you know the, the heat the uh, light wave kind of therapy for yourself, a light box. You can, um, if exercise helps you exercise more, you could make a social plan where you're not, you know isolation's a problem. So that's knowing your triggers and doing something. At certain times of the day, some people hate the morning. They wake up. They can't wake up. It takes them a long time, and they're just unhappy, and that's the way they are. It's their physiology. Um, they're, you know, Understanding that the morning isn't a time to plan the big meeting if they have if they have the ability to have any say over it, or like I said at four o'clock I was dragging, it you know 
So you maybe wouldn't want to have some, you know, you wouldn't want to be running a marathon that day at four o'clock or something like that. Um, so just finding ways to address uh, little things throughout the day, make choices throughout the day that you do have control over. Keeping you and your family members safe is another thing. Also admitting that you have no control because if you try to scream into the hurricane, no one hears you. So to, you know, I mean, you could try, try. I mean, it could be, a you know, and sometimes sometimes maybe you need to get into your car, take a drive and like pull over somewhere safely and just let out a big bear cry. <laughs> I mean, that sometimes helps people, right? Because it's flushing out of like that pent up energy. Yeah, sure. Nothing wrong with that. If that helps you, you should do it. Absolutely. So you can do for yourself, whatever, know your triggers, times of day or, um, People can trigger you. You can know that you hear, you know, so-and-so calls every, some family member calls every, you know, Thursday at 6 p.m. And you just feel the nails on the chalkboard. Why is that person always calling on Thursday? That person's voice annoys me. So maybe you give yourself a break and you don't take the call that time or, this, you know, someone else in the family bites the bullet and, and you know, does it for you or whatever triggers, you know, try to identify them and, um, give yourself a break. Yeah, that's definitely, um, helpful. And I imagine things like journaling for some people can be helpful. That's so helpful. Um, that's also just a way to know your thoughts and the way your mind works. The more, you know, the more you could follow about the way your mind works. That's how I do therapy. You know, you follow the trail of people's minds along with them. You're curious about it and the insights into what what's come after this and come after that and what's the relationship, those kinds of insights can help you to um, uh, feel better. You can discover things about yourself and ultimately can feel better. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, when things feel really challenging, I'll just go on YouTube and I'll like try to search out like, um, like motivational speeches and stuff just to you know kind of get that like raw boost like when I'm kind of feeling like I don't want to do something or I'm like I don't know it's so hard you know like so sometimes like <laughs> I will I'll put that in the car and on my commute to work I'll just listen to you know something inspirational certainly uh, one of the things that I like to do to decrease my anxiety is not listen to the news I think stepping away from the news cycle is very wise. Um, it's just always perpetual, always bad. I've, I tell people I work with executives who do not put their Blackberries down, whatever their, their iPhones. And I tell people that it's, it really makes sense if you give yourself a, if you can give yourself a vacation day now and then you could check your messages at say 11 AM and 3 PM. You don't have to have constant, you know, on a day that you've made your day off, because then it's not a day off. It's the same with the news cycle. You really don't have to know every headline from the minute your eyes open until the minute they close. Um, do you ever, I don't know if those people listening who have an iPhone, they say like your screen time this week was, it's like your screen time this week was 23 hours and 15 minutes, because from the minute you woke up, you looked at your phone until the minute your eyes closed. It's it is a problem, I think. So unplugging is really good. Listening to music helps people. Sometimes people like to draw. Art helps people. And calling somebody or taking mm. a walk, breaking the the tension. Um, if you if you're upset about something or something's not going your way, 
just, you know, if you can, get out of your house, your apartment, and walk around the block, take a deep breath, um, do some jumping jacks, something to stretching, some, some ways to physically um, calm yourself down a little bit. In addition to things like journaling, which I think is huge, music, very, very um, important. Yeah, I think I, I think what you're saying or what you, I think you would agree is like people have to make a choice to schedule these things in or to prioritize that self-care piece, especially now yes. to not yeah. get so exhausted and you know, because we don't have control over a lot of things. So, you know, the only thing we can control is like how we're managing ourselves. That's you know? exactly right. That's what I was trying to say before. And you put it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. Making the choice to do something different, making the choice to break out of your day-to-day -day cycle can be very helpful for the brain and its processes. And if you can add physical activity, even better, right? Because that can at least dispel some of the physiological response because like, oh, you got your heart rate up and then like you stopped exercising and like, then, you know, it's kind of like the, the rocket ship kind of like brings down like the energy and that can be, I think, helpful. Exercise um, generates endorphins and on the, you know, biological, biochemical level of the brain. Um, they're secreted. Uh, and that they that they go through your system. I'm not saying this scientifically or beautifully as I can, but that does give you a sense of well-being. Um, and um, it, I wouldn't minimize the effects of some sort of daily exercise. Stretching it could be stretching and deep breathing. You don't have mm. to go. I don't run know, a marathon. Uh, run a marathon or get, you know, everybody loves those bikes that you now you could have the, the instructors scream at you and motivate you. And you don't have to buy an expensive piece of equipment. You can do deep breathing and stretch and get benefits. Absolutely. So I mentioned at the beginning that I was going to loop back to loop back to your, your book. Um, can you tell us a little like little snippets or like little tidbits of like what people can expect to find in there? I mean, I know you mentioned like topics, but like, are there activities? Are there stories? Like, are there tips? Like what, what can people You're expect? You're asking for some takeaways. Well, I can yeah. tell you some of the themes. Absolutely. Um, I, I know um, I, I, I'll just repeat the title. The book's called Barbarians at the PTA. And it's um, published by Skyhorse, which is a division of Scott Simon and Schuster, and um, available on Amazon or in bookstores. Um, so it's really about uh, how things are in our communities when uh, people use technology, when kids use technology, when their parents use it, when when what happens at schools in in cliques, how parents act towards other parents. Um, for some parents, it's almost a contact sport, how involved they get, uh, how they over empathize and identify with their kids and they don't always pull back out at a time and they feel what's happening to their kid feels like it's theirs and they engage in the sandbox war instead of the kids and there's no separation. So it's, it's funny and light. It isn't, um, it deals with some serious themes. Um, but, uh, it, I think is intended as support for parents who are, may feel ashamed if their kid is having some social difficulties or, um, or has been bullied or has been cyber bullied 
or if they don't feel like they fit in with the other parents. Um, so there's a lot of that people are ashamed to talk about that. I wrote it to try to help people because it's very, very common. And I found that I would, whether I was sitting in my office or teaching and hearing this, the student trainee would bring me a session from the, from their patient they were listening to. And whether the people were in California or London or the South or New York, they were all talking about this sort of pervasive over-involvement that some parents had and how um, the, how technology was causing a problem for some people, for some kids, and how social media, um, how it some of these platforms have taken over and caused difficulties for kids. So there's a ton in there. You have a you have a little kid, you, you know, you deal with other parents all the time. My, one of my favorite cartoons was in the New Yorker and um, a mom and the kid are walking to school and the kid looks to be about four years old and the mom looks at her and says, we've got to get you a school where there are no other parents. You know, like the, the joke being the parents or the, the other parents can be the worst part of the school. Um, and I was in the PTA for years. I, PTA moms are actually, so I don't want to bash them. I, I, I was one. I'm, they're helpful. It's just a really great way. Um, the kids all benefit, but it's a great, when you call the book something about the PTA, it's a really great way for people to know that there's going to be uh, adults and, and kids, and they're going to be talking about stuff at a school in a community, um, you know, and there's going to be stuff with adolescents and in my in this case certainly technology is an important part which is it's pretty big now during the pandemic with online schooling how much technology should we have the american academy of pediatrics used to tell people no more than two hours i recommend no more than two hours of screen time for your kid well that went out the window oh that, you know, that well, definitely i definitely. mean now they're online eight hours for school and then you know that maybe they have to do some other things online, some activities or some community service, to, not a four-year-old, but other kids, um, other ages. And um, so now the recommendation is, could, could they have something when they take a break from online school and online other things, research, whatever activities, where they do something creative and something physical to get, you know, so it's like the complete inverse. Maybe it's now eight hours of online, 10 hours and one hour of non-online. The whole world is flipped. So um, I deal with some of the topical issues in the book. Funny, light uh, book, some serious stuff that supports parents going through it, kids going through it, but happy endings. Amazing. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, if people are, you know, interested in like following you, the, you know, your content or interested in like seeing you if they're in New York city or, you know, if people just generally want to follow you, find you where, where could they go? Well, my website's called the psychotherapist next door.com. And, um, you can find me on social media under my name, you know, Stephanie Newman, PhD on Instagram or Twitter. Um, barbarians at the PTA is the name of the Facebook page. So you, I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. And for anybody listening, we'll take the uh, the links and we'll post them in the show notes. So it makes it even easier in case you're driving and you're like, wait, what? What was that called? Ah, they'll 
you'll be able to access it in the description of the podcast. Um, and the descriptions can be found like wherever you're accessing your podcast, or uh, you can access it off of our website under the podcast tab. If you go to ecophysio.com, we have a podcast tab. You could also find it under our blog tab um, because we post the podcast description there as well. So all the links will be found there to make it nice and easy for you. And um I want to thank you very much for taking time to like talk about this and, you know, uh, kind of just make it feel like, you know, it's kind of normal that we're all sort of feeling this way, but like also being able to identify like when help more help might be needed. Um, obviously like giving us tips on like things we could do to kind of like manage this like crazy time. So I want to thank you very much for, your sharing of knowledge and wisdom. It was really fun. I, I, I loved your questions. They were so thought provoking. And I think what I'm all about, the, really the connecting thread of my work, whether it's clinical or writing or speaking, is to try to help people. And I think that people who are sitting home saying, wow, I feel anxious a lot, or I can't sleep, or this is bothering me, or am I, is this okay? When, how do I know? Should I get help? I really want to say to people, if you are, if you have any doubt, there's no need to white knuckle it. I used that phrase before. Yeah. There are so many places now. There's telehealth where you can go online and different, um, just search it and you could find people that uh, do it that way. Your local doctor can recommend you to a therapist. Um, Google psychologist in your area uh, can recommend you. Um, the local psychological, the Canadian psychological associations, I, I'm sure Toronto has one, Ontario, you, you know, um, at different levels, I mean, the, the, you could easily find um, uh, professionals to talk to. And if there's any doubt, seek support. You don't have to do this alone. There's yeah. no reason to suffer. Yeah, and so you I certainly don't have to do it forever. It doesn't hurt to at least reach out, have a conversation and, you know, then decide at the end of the conversation, like, huh, yeah, okay, I, I could use a little help here. Or it's like, oh, okay, I got it off my chest. And actually, I feel like, okay, I can pretty cope well. And, you know, let's see how it goes, right? There's no harm in doing one or two sessions to like, help you evaluate, like, where am I right now? And how do I feel about myself? Definitely. Sometimes just the bond with the therapist, just connecting with another person over the phone or tel through telehealth, um, if you can't go in person, can really help you feel less alone. Uh, so, you know, if we accomplished anything today, I think it, it would be really great to know that some people who may have been unsure, should they get help if they went, went ahead and made that call? Um, I think that would be tremendous. And people, if you have any doubt, just do it, try it. You don't, you know, there's no, you, you're not signing up for life. Like, you know, like you just said, and, and maybe um, you are, who knows, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, no, not, at all. not at all. Um, so this is a good time to try. There's, there's, it, there's every reason to be stressed and it's, it's normal. I would wonder more about somebody who felt nothing and thought life was great that would be, I would be almost more concerned about that. How, how could you not notice what's, you know, what's going on? Mm. Just, life is great. So uh, this was a lot of fun and I hope people, you know, found it helpful. And I really enjoyed talking with you. I thought your questions were great. I'm, you know, I'm glad that you had me on. 
Awesome. Thank you so, so much. And I, I, I ditto, like, I, I like talking about, I like talking about stuff and learning and I get to learn from my, from the people like that I'm interviewing. So it's like always a plus plus, you know, situation uh, for me. Uh, and I just, going to take this quick opportunity to thank all of our listeners. We hope that you're getting useful tips and tricks and hopefully just generally enjoying uh, some of the topics that we're, we're um, having on these podcasts. And if you want to stay up to date with the latest and greatest, make sure you subscribe that way. Like, you know, the podcast gives you a reminder. It comes up on your phone and then you can see what the topic of the week is and uh, you know, share this one out because like we've been saying, most of us are feeling pretty anxious about things. So you never know, um, you know, how you might be able to help somebody or just give them like a frame of thought. You just never know. So share it out. Let us know what you think. And we will uh, connect with you on the next podcast. Bye for now. I, I was oh, say, yeah. I, never, I didn't get the chance to say before. I always want to tell people to support their local bookstores who are really struggling um, independent bookstores are almost, you know, it's, they're, they're having a lot of trouble during the pandemic. So Christmas is going to be here, Hanukkah, other holidays. Maybe, um, you know, I wrote a book, maybe support a bookstore, give a gift certificate, any local business, but particularly a bookstore. Books make terrific gifts. So I, I meant to say that before when you asked That's me. right. I, I, I forgot that you mentioned that we should, you know, um, say that because this will probably air in and around, you know, just before the, uh, just before the holidays, but you're, you're right. Like this definitely is a year, um, you know, to support your local and small business. I'm a small business. Like yep. Yep. it's, it's really, really, um, important. So, um, you know, if you're going to be purchasing something, making, you know, make, make mindful gifts and, you know, help, help people, help people out during this, uh, very difficult time. So thank you for uh, highlighting that. All right. On that note, we say bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.